0: The bellows self care.
1: All right, cut to edge of stage. Great. All right, color frost. Check. One, two, three. Check. Stand by, please. House to half. House out. Letting cues one
2: through
3: ten.
0: Hello and welcome back to The Tuttle Block. I'm your host, Michael Cruz, and on this episode, we present another session of The Bellows, a monthly informal discussion about theatre production that takes place in Toronto, this time at Theatre Pass Passe-Mirai. Are you sleeping enough? Do you know what enough is? When was the last time you made yourself a meal or spent the day taking care of yourself instead of all of your actors and director? Have you had moments of panic for no reason or felt an unyielding force preventing you from leaving the house and going into rehearsal? Perhaps, like the rest of us, you've been focusing on the show too much and on yourself too little. Self care is important and vital to a long and fruitful career. The next hour and a half, we'll talk about self care. In this session of The Ballows, host and carpenter Kevin Hudson talks to a panel of self care experts about surviving, well, life in the theater. Recorded on February twentieth, 2017, our panel was made up of David Whitley, Advanced Care Paramedic and Peer Support Worker in Paramedic Services, and Leah Erb from the Actors Fund of Canada. You can find some more complete bios online at thetitleblock.com, and of course, I encourage you to support the show through patreon.com, where you can help me cover more events like this and bring interesting local discussions to artists across Canada, as well as interviews with Canada's leading, leading designers about their history and their craft. And before we begin, remember, the Actors Fund is not just for actors. If you go to uh, afchelps.ca, you can find the lifeline for the Canadian entertainment industry. If you're facing an insurmountable dental bill or that show closed early and the rent is due, or if you have to have emergency surgery and will be out of commission for the next month, turn to the AFC. They can help. And if you're in Toronto, you can check out the Al and Malda Green Artists Health Centre, who can address injuries and illnesses specific to life as an artist. And now, here's the next session of The Bellows, Self-Care.
4: OK, uh, welcome to The Bellows.
5: Uh, this month, we are presenting a panel here at theater Pass on the subject of self-care. Yeah,
4: very, yeah. M- very important, very important topic. Uh, before we get too far into it, uh, we at The Bellows would like to acknowledge the traditional caretakers of this land, uh, the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, uh, the Métis, and the Anishinaabe peoples. Uh, to all the peoples of Turtle Island, chi miigwech. Uh And that's that.
5: <laughs> Hi, my name is Pip.
4: My name is Christopher.
5: And this is Kevin. Kevin. And we are the Bellows. We are the... And we actually have two new core members. New people as core members, but old people as Bellows attendees. Uh, Michael Cruz and Rebecca Hooten. Uh, are also part of our core team, so now there are more of us yeah, to be right. even better.
4: Uh, so, how many of you is this your first time at the Bellas? We got a bunch of people. Yeah, that's, man. That's awesome. That's, yeah, man. Uh, that's really great. Uh, so, for those of you who don't know uh, how the Bellas works, uh, we're going to talk uh, for about an hour ish uh, on a topic. Uh, we got two amazing panelists who uh, Kevin will introduce. Uh, we invite you at any time. We're going to have a microphone. You can ask questions if you have them. Uh, so please just like put up your hand or flag one of us down and we'll give you the mic. Um, and yeah, we'll talk for about an hour. Uh, Kevin will give them some some topics to talk about. And then afterwards we'll all just hang out and uh, chat.
5: Yeah, yeah. just have some hangouts. Yeah. Uh, we do have more panels upcoming. Uh, of course we do this monthly. Uh, our next panel is on March 20th. And... Uh, I have titled it, Unlike Death, Taxes Happens More Than Once.
4: (laughs) The return of our awesome taxes panel. One of the most useful things we've ever done. Uh, It's coming back.
5: Ian, the accountant, is coming back. He was great. great. We're very excited to see him again. Uh, And we'll have other panelists as well. And then in
6: April...
4: I
5: don't
6: remember what I think. We have a panel as well. We have a panel. In and April, festivals. there's definitely a It's panel. festivals. Yeah. Yes. I'm
5: almost certain it's festivals. I'm times positive. Uh,
4: yeah. yeah, and it'll be in April on the third Monday of the month.
5: As Actually, it will be on the second or fourth Monday because the third Monday is Easter. Easter, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Easter is very important. Yeah. yeah. So I think it'll be on the fourth Monday. Anyway.
4: And it's on a topic.
5: <laughs> festivals. Festivals. It is, it is festivals. It says festivals, it's, it's festivals best here. Best topic. We just topic. decided. That best topic.
4: Best topic. Um,
5: what else do we have to talk about We're up here? I don't think we should talk anymore. Nope. Uh, no. Uh, the bar is open. Uh, yep. The bar will remain open. Um, it is $4 steam
4: whistles. $4 steam whistles. $4 steam whistles. Which is awesome. Uh, we'd like to thank Theater Pass Marai for uh, giving us the space. And we'd like to thank Julian, our bartender. Tip Please him. Tip him well. Um, without further, further ado, ado, to the panel. <laughs> thank,
6: thanks very much, everybody. Uh, thank you all for coming to the bellows. Thanks to all the people who are here for the first time. It's super exciting. Um, Self care at the end of winter is particularly timely, I think. Um, my birthday is in February. And uh, after sort of Christmas, which I don't care for, and then a long, cold January, which is always miserable, uh, the last thing I want to do in February is get older. Um, so I don't know if if any of you feel the same way about winter, but this is this is not good for for me. Um, Self care is super super relevant to the industry that we're in as well. Um, a lot of people seem to have a lot of pride about the lack of sleep that they get. Um, you know, I know I was there once, um, and uh, it it it's better if you sleep. So uh, this is just us. It's, sleep sleep is good for you. This is just us um, talking about. Things that we do, strategies, resources that are available to help you guys help yourselves. Um, because it's really easy to not eat or sleep and go to that second call of the day. Um, but it doesn't help you. It doesn't look good on you. Um, yeah, let's just leave it at that for the time being. Um, we're not here to diagnose anybody today. Um, we're just here to, to, to help each other out, uh, which is what the Bellows is all about. So, without even further ado, on my left, who are you and what do you do? You're both on my left. You can pick. Okay,
7: okay. Okay, hi. Uh, My name is David Whitley. Um, I'm a paramedic for York Paramedic Services, uh, and uh, I basically started in the Middle Ages. uh, And I, I love my job, but it has a big impact. On your life, uh, different traumas, uh, and so self-care to me is really important. Uh, although sometimes it's a disaster, but sometimes it's very rewarding. So, you yeah.
8: okay. uh, know.
9: My name is Leah Irby. I'm the program manager at the AFC, uh, a Canadian charity that was previously the Actors Fund of Canada. Uh, We provide emergency financial assistance for members of the entertainment community nationally, Uh, people in music, theater, dance, film, and TV who have had some sort of unforeseen emergency and can't pay the rent or feed their family. Uh, We can usually help you out with some financial assistance for a month or two while you get back on your feet. Um, I was the case coordinator there for eight years, uh, handling every application that came in, speaking to people, taking that first phone call, uh, dealing with the application for assistance, and oftentimes I would personally hand over the check. So I've seen uh, a lot of terrible things, a lot of situations that we help to make better a little bit, and I have a lot of cautionary tales about what happens when you don't practice self-care. I'm now the AFC's first program manager. We just introduced a financial wellness program for our clients, and we're looking to expand into the areas of social work and mental health so that we can reach a broader part of the community in the future and offer more than just a rent check, although a rent check is pretty good.
6: Yeah, rent check is spectacular. (laughs) And prior to my time
9: at the AFC, I was a singer-songwriter, uh, so not exactly the same as theatre, but a lot of the same issues, I think, with the idealization of overwork and the uh, pressure to work for free. All of those things, I think, are pretty common themes.
6: Yeah, for sure, yeah. For sure. So both intimately familiar with care there, which I like. Um, can we start with some just basic definitions? When we're talking about self-care, wh- what are we talking about? Is it just, you know, hygiene and, and sleep? or what, what, are, what else are we talking about?
7: I think it's uh, it's being faithful to yourself um, in all the capacities, your behavior, your thoughts, your feelings, being, being, being honest with yourself and breaking out of the bubble of conformity and perfectionism and, you know, breaking out of certainty, breaking out, like embracing the ambiguity
9: Yeah, mine is maybe a little bit more pragmatic. For me, self-care would encompass self-protection uh, on a on a bodily level, just making sure that you are safe, uh, all the way to taking care of future you, older you, you who might want to retire someday, um, you with the bad shoulder or the bad ankle uh, or the tendency towards anxiety. Um, self-care is making sure that you can live and work as functionally as possible uh, while also working in theatre uh, under the demands that people are placed under.
6: Yeah, um, so I just started at Production Canada, and we've sort of started instituting a policy that if you've worked the night previous, we're not interested in hiring you, which is a thing we literally had to do because that happens. Yeah. Um, other than just sort of call times, do we are we familiar with any particular barriers to, to self-care? Because I, I, yeah, would take... If I could, I would work 16 hours a day, and yeah. So I do need that rent check.
9: Yes. Um, I think there there's definitely the, the financial grind is a huge part of it um, that would stop most people from making a, a sane, healthy choice is, yeah, you have to keep the rent paid, and you have to keep food on the table, and you've got to feed the dog, and you know maybe you'd want to turn the lights on once in a while. All yeah. that stuff, really important. Um, I think there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of pressure from the top down but also there's there's pressure everywhere from every part to overwork and to do something that's unhealthy or unsafe in the name of helping to get that project done um, so i think you know the barriers fr- the barriers are coming for it from everywhere yeah. so taking even one step forward is difficult in so many different ways
6: right
7: yeah, I think industry and self-concept what we you know, the industry of like of what is expected of us at work uh was similar. Yeah. And then and babes and, and how we see ourselves, uh, our self-concept. Uh if we're trying to be perfect, if we're you know, if, as a first responder, if I believe that I should have a cape on and you know, I should be a superhero, then uh self-care. <laughs> uh, What what the hell, you know? That's that's ridiculous. Um, Because uh, we have to be competent in high-stress environments, like acting, but we have to be perceived to be competent. So uh, we we, we sort of, we, we paint ourselves in a corner by by who we try to be we're we're when we're not ourselves so i think always coming back to ourselves when when we get anxious and when we when we are um throwing, when, everything, when things go wrong and we fail and we fall and, and you know you you this is disaster right it's, these are all adaptive symptoms these are these are, these are part of your, our ancestral inheritance so you know it it it, it throws us back onto ourselves Failure is essential, so uh, embrace it. Embrace the ambiguity, you know. Take I mean, risks.
6: Yeah, I like this superhero image because you never yeah. see, you know, Batman eating in a movie. Yeah. That just never happens, right? Or Superman doesn't go through the drive-thru to get a burger. Yeah. That just doesn't seem to, <laughs> yeah. you know, but presumably these are things that those people need to do yeah. in order to function at a level. Yeah, I mean, I've, does Superman subsist on sun rays? Is that. I'm unfamiliar with the metabolism of... Maybe later? Okay. <laughs> right. Uh, so in terms of, uh, sort of singer-songwriter, so that means you're sort of self-employed, largely? Would it? Do you have your own schedule? Yes.
9: Well, I did, yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm full-time uh, in the office now, so Fair that enough. was... Uh, yeah, part of self-care for me was realizing that it was going to be much healthier for me to obviously the... Um, the monumental step of removing yourself from full-time work in the industry that you, I think, belong in forever, whether you're working in it or not, is a major life choice. Um, But I've done it in the best possible way. I'm still helping other artists every day. but uh, yeah, that's showing up every morning really difficult. I, uh, that's a big change for me.
6: Do you find that more difficult than um, setting your own schedule? Because I I fall to pieces when I have to set my own schedule. To be perfectly honest,
9: I, yeah. I'm a lot like you. It, yeah. Even though it is very difficult for me to drag myself there some mornings, it's still much better for me to have a place that is not in my house that yeah. I work, yeah. where other people are going to see me, so I have to put on shoes and brush my hair and probably my teeth, you know, all of that stuff, uh, that outside check, uh, I rely on um, imposing those those barriers on myself, those right. restrictions on myself. Yeah. You know, you're going to go outside today whether you like it or not.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I find that helps tremendously, to be yeah. perfectly honest. Uh, so consequences of doing this poorly... Do we want? Do we want to talk about this lovely handout which, yeah. which you've brought? Yeah. Okay. Um, Does everybody have a handout? At work, picture? I had the uh,
7: the pleasure of working um, in the Road to Mental Readiness uh, from Mental Health Commission. It's a program for first responders, but there's also a civilian program, and it's it's available. Um, anyways, uh, the Mental Health Commission thought, okay, the the thing that keeps stigma going of, of mental health is. Is the, the binary either you're okay or you have a diagnosis, right? And no one wants a fucking diagnosis. Excuse me, you know, you know, so okay, so, okay so, so 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 you know what it keeps everything buried underground. And that keeps everything working, right? The industry works fine, everyone's smiling, but they're falling apart behind the scenes, right? So they thought, okay, well, uh, there's a different way to imagine mental health. And they came up with the mental health continuum. There's a copy on every table. So now this mental health continuum applies to everybody. It's just not the, the people that are great and the people that are losers, you know, if you have a diagnosis. Uh, I'm being ironic. Uh, I was diagnosed <laughs> with PTSD in 2000 after an ambulance rolled over, so I've gone through this. So, um, so this applies to everybody, and we go move back and forth between a healthy, reacting, injured and ill we go back and forth, and these categories bleed into one another. So this, this paper will describe uh, what it's like, you know, sort of a self-check. It's a great self-check. You wake up in the morning, go to bed at night, you go, where am I on the continuum? It's the actions we can take in order to become healthy or better healthy, because we always want to swing to the healthy, the green, Um, But it's also uh, try to see ourselves in a a way that we're we're going towards the reactive, the injured, the ill, and it's good to talk to somebody. And so the self-care, depending on where you are, where you fall in the continuum, is different. For someone who's really healthy and vibrant, uh, self care may be something um, like, you know, I'm like going to go for a 10 kilometer jog, right? For someone who is ill, like getting out of bed is self care, right? So it's, you know, it all, all has to be seen in a context. So I find this is helpful. Yeah. But you can find this on the mental health continuum, um, the mental health continuum on the uh, MHCC, the Mental Health Commission of Canada's website.
6: Fantastic. Okay. I think you mentioned uh, stigma there, which is an interesting one that we'd like to talk about. Because uh, as I've said before, so it, it it's different for different sort of, I don't want to say symptoms, but uh, when, you know, somebody hasn't slept for two days, it's a mark of pride to still be at work and, and sort of powering through. Whereas if you haven't showered for a week, you know, the consequences are a little bit more different. Uh, do you find that's true in, in both of your respective fields? Um.
9: That's a really good question. I I find that there's still um, there is still that mark of pride about not getting adequate sleep, um, and I, I find that just if you're working in entertainment in general, uh, hygiene comes before sleep almost everywhere. So that you know, for us, it's it's very important to have that approachable, not so smelly dynamic that you can you know meet an employer and work face to face with someone. Um, I do think that the the lack of sleep, uh, something that I have seen more than I wish in my time at the AFC is, uh, especially if you are driving home after a gig, it is so dangerous. Please don't. <laughs> um, the lack of sleep can really, it it leads to accidents in the workplace. And that is definitely part of what I wanted to talk about in terms of self-care is just not hurting yourself actively or allowing yourself to be hurt. Um, So I think, yeah, there are some things that we let pile up um, that, you know, we always push healthy eating or that longer jog farther down the road because maybe I'll have time to do it next week. Um, But to be aware of of especially sleep, those consequences can become immediate. Um, So anything that we can do to try to remove that that prize that we put on on people's self-sacrifice you know it's okay to idealize devotion and to idealize somebody's strong artistic sense or vision or um, you know commitment to the project but it it's not okay to keep idealizing and idolizing these people who are really hurting themselves and possibly hurting other people so I might have might have gone on a bit of a tear there I feel no, it's strongly great. about sleep
6: we encourage we encourage this yeah. um, can I do a little experiment? So how many people, by a show of hands, got more than seven hours sleep last night? That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. You know, that's surprising, actually. Yeah. I'm proud, proud of half of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, this because then but I'm looking at, it is, it is a long weekend. How many, yeah, how many people yeah. have gotten seven hours over the last five days? Like, consistently seven hours over the last five days? Yeah. That one person. Yeah. yeah, three people. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and look at how we all look down on you. We're all like, eh. Uh, <laughs> 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 terrible. I'm proud of you. Very I proud of you. It. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and then there's, yeah, go ahead. Well, um, I guess my question would be: like, what's
1: the. Do you need a recording? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my question would be in terms of sle- like, lack of sleep or less sleep, the difference between not allotting yourself the time to sleep and just not actually sleeping during the time you've allotted. Because there's a the difference between saying, oh, I only gave myself five hours to sleep last night, so I only got five hours, and I was in bed for nine hours, and I slept for four hours of that nine hours. Yeah. That, like, where does self-care play into
6: that? That's a really good question. Yeah. I think there's. Um,
7: I think uh, if I'm in bed for nine hours and I'm getting five, then in, you know, I'm making movies in my head. You know, I'm anxious about something, anticipatory anxiety, yeah. uh, something of the past or something coming up tomorrow. And so, I think it's, it's to address the anxiety that the cause of, of me uh, staying asleep. Or not not staying asleep is, is is vital. So sort of taking it back to its root causes is important. So self care, such as exhaust yourself if you have the time, like physically go out for the jog, uh, uh, walk, whatever. Uh, so so upping the chances of success. Uh, Tim Robbins, that that motivational speaker, said um, when people choose one strategy to for success, it's it's. It's it's not very good. you know. If you have five strategies for the same success, chances are two of them may work if three fail. Um, so I think that's important with self care.
6: Does that answer your question? Yeah? yeah. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. I'll like give questions to answer. That. So that's sort of the difference between, um, I don't want to say neglect, but sort of, you know, you're our lives are busy, and sometimes you you know you do with six or for a few hours, um, and sometimes you're unable to get that sleep for whatever right. reason, and and so that relates to our continuum as well, I think, right? When you need to, because it becomes a bit of a cycle. Yeah.
7: yeah. Well, if you're if you're overworking, like well, hello, <laughs> but right. but you know it, it's gonna you have to you have something you have to reckon with, you know, it's gonna it's gonna come back to bite you in the ass. So something has to give. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you're
6: you not Superman. You're not Super Wonder Woman. So how do we do a better job of specifically getting sleep? I want to talk about, you know, looking after ourselves in general, but specifically sleep.
9: Well, uh, the first part, I think, is setting those boundaries, is deciding how many shifts uh, you're able to work, uh, you know, assuming that there's work there for you, uh, deciding how long you're going to spend on each project, uh, deciding how many of your hours you're going to volunteer, and being realistic with yourself about what you need. So penciling in four hours and assuming that you can sleep on a makeshift cot in the back is not going to be in your own best interest. Uh, Really level with yourself. If what you need is eight hours a night, don't have a sh- don't have shame about it. Don't let people mock you, or let people mock you. Who cares? Um, but <laughs> know what you need so that when you chip away at yourself during times of pressure, if you're getting six hours a night and it's been two weeks, you know that you're running low. Take care of yourself. Um, it's OK if that's if you need to go under. Um, you know, If you know you need eight hours, it's been two weeks. You've had six hours, five hours here. Maybe you stayed up all night one night. Just take it easy on yourself. um, And when you resurface, that's the time, really, like when the project is over, when the pressure is off, after you've slept for a day. Uh, Come back up, wake back up, take some stock. um, Review what you did. If you finish a project and you feel terrible or you are sick again, Think about how you can set boundaries next time or set goals next time. Think about whether you need some outside help, like a coach or a counselor. Think about whether you just need a friend who will help you be accountable. Whether you need to lock your phone in your nightstand overnight so that you don't check your email in the middle of the night, even if somebody is emailing you and it might be important. um, You know, take, take those steps that you need. Take as much care of yourself as you can. And then come back up afterwards and just like you'd take notes, figure out what you did and what you can do that's reasonable that you might do next time. And like you said, if you've got five options, you are more likely to find something that will work one night. I don't know if that fully answers yeah, the I think question.
7: Sorry. The Mental Health Commission has a, a tool uh, to make goals, um, the chances of a goal working out. And they use the SMART acronym, mm-hmm. The uh, if something is specific. It's measurable or meaningful, like there's different. And then uh, achievable, attainable, uh, and it's relevant, uh, and it's timely. If, if we make goals very, very, very small. So if I'm going to renovate the house, that's probably 100 goals. Yeah. You know, um, towards sleep, you know. So um, does someone want to try the SMART acronym on, on a sleep strategy? A specific... Measurable, attainable, relevance, and timely. Sir, does you know, someone want to give it a give it a try?
6: Sure. I mean, what, uh, what are we yeah. looking for? I give it a shot. What are we looking for? Okay, no. Like, Actually, make a make, go- a make a oh, yeah,
7: make yeah. a goal out for yourself. Yeah. Around sleep.
2: Follow through with this goal.
10: <laughs> yeah.
7: No pressure. No
2: pressure. Hypothetically, I could purchase a clock radio, so instead of keeping my phone at my bedside table and using it as an alarm clock, and then every time it beeps, I jerk upright, um, I could perhaps use a clock that is just a clock and then put my phone in another room. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not making a promise.
9: Uh, Time sensitive. When are you going to do it? (laughs) Hypothetically.
6: I mean, it's, it's family day, so you can't go and buy one right now. Yeah, exactly. Now.
9: You're covered. Fine.
2: So I'm going to finish Tech Week and then go to Walmart or IKEA. Nice. Excellent.
6: Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Good going. Yeah. 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 Chris.
4: Yes. And I'm actually just going to, um, uh, just on, uh, on the topic, uh, I'm just going to add to the the sleep thing because I've been, I've been treated before for insomnia. And just in terms of um, uh, realistic, achievable goals, if you go to your doctor and you tell them, I'm having a lot of trouble sleeping, I have insomnia, give me some pill or something, the first thing they're going to ask you about is your sleep hygiene, Mm. which is a real thing uh, and doesn't just refer to literal hygiene, although that's one of the things they will say is, uh, you know, have a shower, make sure your your sheets and everything are clean, make sure your bed is made, you're getting into like a nice... Uh, comfortable space, put your phone away like a half an hour before you go to bed. Like, don't be looking at that bright light. Um, There's a whole bunch of stuff on the topic of sleep hygiene that uh, if you are having trouble sleeping, you should totally look up uh, because that is, that's a real thing. So I rarely do it, but uh, I know that there are definitely strategies that you should, you should employ. So that's a practical thing you can do to help yourself.
6: Mr. Cruz.
0: I listen and hold them, make at the same time. Uh, one of the things that I find important as well is that I try to anticipate when I know I'm going to be in some, I'm going to have the anxiety. So I have to work at 4.30 in the morning or I have to get up at 4.30 in the morning. I know that the day, night before is going to be difficult for me. So I have to anticipate and make sure that I put those things especially in place on that night. Or I've got a giant project due on Friday. I know that Thursday and Friday are going to be terrible, so I better plan ahead. To know when I'm going to be anxious and it's going to get in, in the way of my sleep. And sometimes, I mean, it's easy to say, well, I, I didn't expect. Like, I was going to go to bed tonight and it was going to be fine. But you can sort of see this stuff coming, right? Like, I think you have right. to, just have to pay attention.
6: So you find yourself making a sort of time budget of, of your to get sleep in? Uh,
0: no, it's not about time. Well, we all have goals. <laughs> <laughs> Whether I meet them or not. No, I, I was going to say that it's, uh, it's about the most... Like, the one thing I've learned, like, I can't go out Friday nights. I just can't. If I'm working on the weekend, I used to be able to, like, go out until 6 a.m. and then show up to work at 8 a.m. as an electrician, and it was great. <laughs> not a, you know... A stage electrician. Come on, Uh, but that's what you do, right? Climbing ladders, like pushing stuff around. Like it's dangerous to do that. But we used to do it all the time when I was Mm -hmm. twenty. Now I can't go out when I on Friday night. No matter how much I want to go have dinner with somebody, I have to go home from work and I have to go to bed at eight thirty, and I have to sit there until I go to sleep. (laughs) Like I can't make plans. So that's making those, recognizing that you're, you have your limits, is really important. For
6: sure. Yeah. For sure. There's one more question in the back
1: there. Um, I just want to quickly ask, how do you prioritize sleep? So like, if you have to say eight hours, right? That's eight hours out of a 24-hour day, plus the two hours to eat, which is 10. You have 12 hours left. You have eight hours of work, which gives you what? I think six, if my math is correct. Four. Oops. As you can tell, I don't do math for a living. Um, so with those four hours, like you're supposed to be able to get your social time in, your me time in, your everything you need. But how do you prioritize that in just a daily basis to get all of that done in twenty-four hours? You just can't. I don't know. Any suggestions? I think nobody's nobody's getting it done all the time. That's that's like
9: way out of the realm. Getting eight hours a night is would be so nice. <laughs> Um, but I think part of it is, yeah, be realistic with your goals, right? Um, if, you know you, if you know you need eight hours and you're totally grouchy and you're barely functional, then yeah, you have to let some of the social engagements go. I was saying just before we started that I, I've made a commitment recently, because I found myself getting really <coughs> worn down, to just try to get seven hours and put that seven hours aside for myself. I can sleep or not sleep, it doesn't matter, but they're mine. Uh, and it's a huge sacrifice. I'm turning, and I'm not a like super busy person generally. Like I'm not a huge social butterfly, but just you know, I can't go see that movie before the Oscars, and I can't go see that play I wanted to see, and I can't go out for dinner because I'm going out the next day. That it's a huge, huge sacrifice. So I think be realistic, um, be kind to yourself. Understand that you're, we're all going to screw it up, um, and just make that commitment sort of in the service of future you. Uh, that you understand if you understand its importance, I find it becomes easier to budget as much as you can, uh, and then don't beat yourself up when you stay out till three in the morning. It happens. <coughs>
11: um, if I can add to that, uh, I think something that we're talking about a lot of like, you have to allocate this time for sleep. You have to make sure that you eat every day. Like these are also things that are fun and good. Like being in bed sometimes is the best thing in the world. Eating a delicious meal is amazing. So maybe there's also the the idea that like, oh, I have to sleep for seven hours tonight. Otherwise I'm going to be like feeling terrible tomorrow. If we reframe that for ourselves as I get to sleep for eight hours tonight and it's okay that I'm not hanging out with somebody else because I get to like, I'm going to feel amazing tomorrow or, you know, I'm going to go out for dinner tonight and that's, and that's going to be my really good thing is the meal is going to be awesome. So like reframing it as a, as a positive addition to our, to our days. Like my dad once asked me what my hobby was. And at the time I was in theater school, I was like, dad, my hobby is sleep. (laughs) i'm <laughs> yeah. like i love naps they are the best thing that's ever happened to me oh, yeah. if i have three hours oh, that's yeah. what i'm doing he was like okay for the
6: record i think the after breakfast nap okay. is the sweetest of all so good. <laughs> it is just the best so good <laughs> oh yeah
11: so yeah just just choosing choosing to do things that are self-care <coughs> as, as a choice as something that's good for us and that we enjoy
2: can I just jump onto that again? Um, what, how do you reframe or thoughts on parts of self-care that you know you need, but you don't like? Or that when self-care becomes one more thing that you're not doing well. When you're not doing things well and you need laundry, but there's no gratifying, happy, bliss, bubble bath way to just stay up late and do your damn laundry.
6: Can I jump on this really quick? So um, I hate shaving with a passion. I hate it. Um, but I also hate having a beard. So I'm in a ridiculous sort of paradigm here. Wax it. Kind of. But, um, so I decided to become an even worse douchebag and buy like a fancy razor and like learn to use it and try and make it fun. That was my sort of conceit this last month of, like, trying to... You can probably see the razor burn in the lights as well. Um, But, like, yeah, that was one of my strategies. Maybe you have more educated opinions. (laughs) I,
7: I, I find engaging in the arts excruciating. For self-care. Because I love it, and I'm in the zone, and I I find it's mindful, and I find a lot of peace. I I started oil painting, and um, I started taking lessons. Um, This was a a couple years ago, um, three years ago. And um, I was coming along quite good um, until, you know, I decided it was... I, I painted something really well, you know, and, and the teacher said, that, "Dave, you did a pretty good job." And then, it, because I was, as I, I approached my art, wrong. I'm grandiose. I'm narcissistic. I, I want to be the best. Like, if I if I can't do a Monet, I, I don't want to start. You know what I mean? So, so, so then it's like, I, I when when I try to do something and it worked out and I got affirmation for it. Well, then that was like, oh. What's going to happen next time, right, if it doesn't meet that? Um, And then, so I decided, like, then I didn't do the art for about a year. And so then I went into a collective in Richmond Hill, and it was a situation where an artist would actually come and and dabble in your work to show you. And that was fine in theory, but when she put the brush on my canvas, it's Uh like, yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was like, like, oh, I didn't know what to do. And, and that was such important self-care, and I was progressing, and, and it was meaningful, and it was life-giving, because um, I got a stressful job, um, and I got stuck, and I've never been able to get back to it. Um, but I'm trying, you know. So. My my wife is a backpack player, and so she sees a performance psychologist, and so she goes, Dave, you have you're doing the shoulds, the shoulds, the shoulds. Get rid of the shoulds, okay, and be realistic, and know that you. Forget the outcomes. You just have to engage with it. You know, lean into, because we're addicted to certainty. We're addicted to certainty and security. So lean into the ambiguity, lean into the contradictions, uh, and, and lean into what you love to do. And you're robbing yourself if you don't do it. Yeah. So, like, I have to take her advice. So, it's good advice. Yeah, it's good advice. Yeah.
9: Um, I wanted to, to go to the laundry point specifically because that's such a tough thing for me as well because I just don't find, I don't find the joy in it that other people do and so I don't I put it off like crazy and then it's a big task and I don't want to stay up late and do my laundry. I want to stay up late and do other stuff <laughs> instead of getting proper sleep. Um, but uh, what has really helped me is thinking about it uh, as just taking care of this weird, squishy bag of meat that we're in charge of. Um, If you don't do your laundry, first of all, make it easy on yourself. Get as much Febreze as you can. Have it handy. If you can afford dry cleaning, if you can afford to pay somebody to do stuff for you, pay somebody to do stuff for you. If you if your mom is looking like she might be feeling generous, just give her the bag of laundry. Um, so make it as easy as you can. You know, take all your favorite stuff with you to the laundromat and set up and just, like, take make a little tiki bar at the laundromat. Have a margarita. Kick your feet back. Wear a, you know, put a little paper umbrella in your drink. Do whatever. But also know that... If you don't do your laundry, you will still wake up tomorrow attached to the same weird squishy meat bag, but there won't be any clean clothes. And you will have to go out into the world and meet people in clothes that you know aren't clean. They might not know because see previous Reef Febreze. But (laughs) (laughs) but you're doing what you can. When I say take care of yourself, that's part of it. You've got to shepherd yourself through life. Allow allow yourself to be kind to tomorrow's you um, by... You know, if you were visiting a friend who was terribly depressed and couldn't do their laundry, or like the time when my friend had a baby and I just showed up, did all his laundry, and left, and he cried in gratitude, uh, allow yourself to take care of yourself the way that you would take care of somebody else who is in that need and hurting.
8: Here's a question. Oh, it's not really a question as opposed to a statement. Um, So I'm I'm going to tell a very brief story um i i was doing a play a couple of years ago and um i just want to stress how (laughs) this is a dark tale (laughs) (laughs) and it's to stress that self-care is really really important now what happened to me was sort of unavoidable in the sense that i didn't know that i had this condition uh, undiagnosed condition but i was a week out from putting the show up that i was <clears throat> not only um not only producing but that I had written and was performing in cuz I like to take it easy on myself um, <laughs> anyway a week before and I, I don't say this publicly but I because I think it's important to be open and honest about this stuff um I had uh I had a stroke a week before my show went up and um it was actually a brain hemorrhage at the top of my brain stem, and that's not what I'm really here to talk about, but um, I was stressed out of my freaking mind, and I was not taking care of myself, which generally I'm pretty good at, but it was a constant go, 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 go thing going into the last week of rehearsals. And, um, yeah, that's not to say if you... That's not to say if you don't get eight hours of sleep a night, you're going to have a stroke. That's not to say that, but... It can build up to that, or if not um, something life-threatening like that, you may have a mer- nervous breakdown, which can be in the long run life th- in the long run life-threatening, um, and it's going to affect not just your your career; it's going to affect the wellness and well-being of your life and everyone around you. And um, yeah, so it, it is this. I think uh, symposium on self-care is really terribly important and uh, I could go on ad nauseam about you know mental health issues and how you need to take care of yourself to avoid, to help avoid getting into those things because some of us of course just live with mental illness um, and I'm babbling and I will now shut up. <laughs> <laughs> F-
3: fantastic.
6: Um, we are, we are putting this on in the internet for the record I hope that's okay yeah for
5: sure, yeah,
12: for sure. Um, Sandy has words Sandy I just a question about um, if anybody the well-rested has any... <laughs> the well rested Sandy the well rested Sandy damn straight I yeah. prioritize my sleep um, I, uh, I just have a question about, about if anybody has any thoughts or suggestions about how to deal with a producing company that doesn't necessarily value self care to value, value its employees self care I, the example, the example I give is that I am knocking everything over on my table. Um, is that uh, I was, I, I was stage manager. I was with a company where an actor had a family emergency, had to go, had to go. Like that was just how it was. And I was, I found myself up against a producer going, but I'm going to lose money if we don't do the show. And I've seen that with illness, and I've seen it with a lot of different situations. So I'm just curious if anybody has any thoughts about like what to do with that producer who doesn't seem to give a shit about people's well-being. <laughs> hmm. um, I can start off super
6: quickly with the Employment Standards Act. I don't know if it's perfectly relevant to this situation or not, but um, producers and um, sort of artists in general um, own the work in a way that actors and stagehands in particular don't. So there is a pretty well-defined relationship there between sort of owner of a company or a, or a show and an employee. And the owner of a company can do whatever the hell they want, but the employee uh, can't legally, can not work more than 60 hours a week, for starters. Um, and there's a bunch of restrictions and the owner cannot ask an employee to do certain things. Uh, and there is, you know, legal backup if you're really desperate. But that that is... Um, not a well-understood definition in the um, artist and employee because essentially the artists are the owners of this, this piece of art in, in that way. Um, so the producing company very much owns it. Make, they make the profit off it, they blah, blah, blah. And then uh, the employees don't, so they have that back up. Um, That's the sort of basic starter, I guess. I mean, aside from calling somebody a monster, I don't really know what's... (laughs) I think
9: that's... Well, I wouldn't encourage maybe name-calling, but I I think that um, it's important to be the person who stands up, and it's really hard. uh, Find out if there are sympathetic voices who work at the same company or in the same production, if there's anybody around you who is willing to take that stand, do your research, know your your legal rights... um, if you are protected, or if any of the people who are affected are protected by a union, call your union, find out what the deal is. Um, and generally, no, I think a very, very difficult thing, obviously, in this industry is is turning down work and knowing when to walk away. And we can't always do that. Uh, but if if you can, if you can afford to, which I want to talk about in terms of savings, that's also part of self-care. Uh, but if you can't afford to, and if it is past the line of what you can accept, even if it's being done to another person, um, don't you don't have to be shy about why you walked away from something or why you don't ha- why you don't want to work with someone. You should be civil um, because we're, we all want the phone to ring again. But you don't have to be shy about it. You can stand up for it, and it's okay to know what your rights are, uh, what common practices, and stand up for that where you can. People don't, and people get hurt, and it's heartbreaking. Um, And to see a production company not stepping up is, yeah, it's really, really terrible. And I wish I could tell you that it was super uncommon. Um, But I see stories like that all the time uh, at the AFC where people's employers don't do what they should, uh, and people have to get legal backup or, Often, like I said, if they're lucky enough to have a union that can get involved, sometimes the community has to step up and take care of that person uh, where the employer doesn't and really should. Um, that's a, you know, an ongoing fight in the industry is making sure that people are safe and people are respected. So it's a it's a daily grassroots level fight as well as a big, big much bigger than this conversation about employee safety. Uh, but it is a—it's like speaking up for anything else you don't find acceptable. Is hey, don't call my friend that name. Hey, don't do that thing to my friend. It's not cool.
0: Hi there, I'm interrupting briefly to thank those of you who have chosen to support the title block on patreon.com. I really enjoy doing the show and I'm not going to stop while I have the time, but it does cost a bit to do the show between equipment and web hosting, not to mention extra mic rentals or or purchases to ensure that special events like the Bellows sound as best as I can make them. So I'm asking that you help out to cover these costs and help me to continue to capture the story of Canadian theatre design and production. Go to patreon.com slash the title block podcast and donate a couple of bucks an episode It really helps.
6: Yeah, um, we have this industry is, you know, the show must go on. That is a saying we have, but that's actually a saying from an era of understudies, right? That's where that that comes from. And so if the producing company is serious about never missing a show, they have to take responsibility for that in a particular way. Um, They have to cover themselves in that way. It's not up to the employee to you know, push themselves beyond what is healthy or reasonable. I
10: think um, one of the things you can also do is make the producer do their own dirty work, right? Rather than having you solve their problem or uh, make that uh, worker work in uh, an unsafe or inhumane circumstance, um, very often I have found that if you refuse to do that work for them, they're not willing to do it either.
0: Yeah,
6: that's fair. Oh
0: my God, thank you so much yet again. Uh, one of the things, because I was uh, I was I worked full time in the industry and then I left and went to what seems like a completely different industry. It gives me a bit of a unique perspective, but I also uh, one of the things we always used to say. Especially when you're in, doing summer theater and, you know, there's, your, there's, there's six of you and you're doing 12 people's work uh, and you come out at the end of the week and you say, well, yeah, at least no one died, right? We're not, huh. we're not <laughs> No small children were harmed in the production, right? <laughs> but it's, a, it's a, a kind of attitude, right? Where we kind of go, uh, uh, well, you know, the, the stakes aren't very high. And I think the irony of that statement is that in the arts, the stakes are always extremely high, and I felt more stress working in theater than I, than I have most days working in EMS, which is ridiculous, <laughs> yes. yeah. first of all. But in I'm EMS, even, especially now, we have so much more support than a self-employed artist does. I get sick days, for God's sake. I get a bunch of sick days. So if I want to take care of myself, I call in sick. And as an artist, you can't. Uh, or you feel you can't. And I used to have, uh, I used to have a lot of pressure from uh, my partner who was a nurse a long time ago because he would say, well, why, just why are you going to work today? You're ill. And, and, you, and the answer, of course, as an artist is, well, no one else is going to do my job. I have aq to show, I have a Q2Q, and I'm the designer. I have to be there. Like, what are you, are you crazy? And I think that that attitude, I, I want to know how many times people have asked if they could do that because I think if you just sort of say, I'm really ill and can't get out of bed, I'm not going to show up to the Q2Q today, then the producer goes, oh, okay, well, I'll schedule another rehearsal. Or I'll do something else. Or we'll do the Q2Q. Like, there's always a solution that we don't allow. We don't even we don't even give the producer or ourselves the opportunity to make that choice. We just assume that we are absolutely indispensable 24 hours a day, and we dig that ourselves into this hole and, and and find ourselves having a stroke or neglecting or, or getting a divorce or breaking up with our partner or, or, or alienating ourselves from our family. And I think that there are more choices than just that. Uh, there is always another choice, and I think that we have to pay attention to that as artists as well and respect that and, and demand that the producers also respect that for us as well.
6: Wow. Yeah? Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, so the to get sorry was there a question in the back? Do you want to do want to go for it? Yeah.
5: because the microphone doesn't go that far back.
7: With with due respect, um, I think that in in the independent world of producing, especially in theater, that's not realistic. Um, I don't think you can put that onus back on the producer and expect to see any results. I think in in the days where we have like three and five day tech weeks and you know, that's just what the money is. There's not enough resources to imagine rescheduling a thing like a lighting focus. So although I appreciate the sentiment of the comment, and I think that <clears throat> that's absolutely where we should be aiming. And in lots of industries that are protected by unions, that's maybe a little bit more realistic. But I don't find that in my world
6: I could imagine implementing that.
7: Yeah,
0: I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the brief pushback against that is that if we can't afford to do what we do humanely then you know let's just let that hang yeah totally I'll just let that hang um so to get a little bit lighter uh so we talked about budgeting uh very briefly and and I know you want to talk about budgeting I always Uh, want
9: to talk about budgeting I love talking about budgeting
6: (laughs) so uh just quick plug our next panel is on our taxes reprise and if you haven't listened to the podcast of last March's Taxes panel. It was a, it was bonkers. It was really good, but it was bonkers. Um, we did not necessarily touch on budgeting. We touched mostly on just taxes. Uh, budgeting is a big part of that. And um, if we can start very briefly, because we touched on this as well, with time management. So the ESA says we can't work more than sixty hours in a week if we're an employee, um, which is a nice sort of barrier uh, to keep yourself to. Um, you know, forty hours a week is sort of uh, you know, the it quote-unquote standard work week. Um, do you recommend scheduling some time in there for self-care? Should we be putting hours aside in a week to just do laundry or that sort of thing?
9: Nobody else is going to leave you those hours to yourself is is the short answer there. Um, people will take as many hours as they can get from you and there is always something else to do.
6: For
2: sure.
9: So, and as I said... It, even just setting a tiny goal of seven hours of sleep, the potential of seven hours of sleep a night has, it's been like two weeks and I am fed up, forget it. I'm ready to go back to five uh, because there's always something else to do. So if you're, if you're finding that you're sliding to the right on that continuum, on that if you're going from healthy to reacting and you're feeling injured, then yeah, you do have to start scheduling it because you want to prevent an emergency or at least I hope you do, I do.
6: Yeah, show of hands, everybody here is good at scheduling, right? Everybody? Uh, Yeah, okay. uh, Fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) Which means you're the best at scheduling. Yeah. And you never miss. Yeah, yeah,
10: yeah. For sure. Um, So when this topic was announced at the Bellows, and um, being a resident old fart, I did my first professional theater job, I think, in August of 1983. So I'm pretty tired, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but um, back then it was pretty normal for a theater season to be six shows. And now it's often only four. And so my mathematical brain is saying, so we are doing only two thirds of the work we used to, but it is actually harder now. And it's not just about money. So one of the other things I went for those of you who don't know, I'm still for a week or so uh, working as the executive director of Associated Designers of Canada. I went to look at some at the at the gap between when designers are contracted versus opening night, and it's been systemically shrinking, and so this has a huge trickle down effect um, on everyone on the director who doesn't have a collaborator. It has a trickle-down effect certainly on the shop and the production manager who doesn't know who they're scheduling. (laughs) Um, uh, And uh, the, the work becomes harder because we are accelerating the pace at which we do it. Even if we are not necessarily doing more than we used to, um, I would like to think that production managers are somehow uniquely placed within the industry that they could sometimes not always put a spoke uh, put a stick in the spokes of the hamster wheel that we're on um, uh, but but I see it's become a It's become habitual that we apply for the last available grant as opposed to the grant two deadlines before so that we know what kind of money we have. I see it happening also um, in how quickly we're expected to market shows because um, so many of the decisions that allow you to speak about a show intelligently have yet to been made, have not been (laughs) made, right? So so I think... um, Asking and and again, it it also creates stress on the individual who doesn't know that they have work coming down the pipeline, and so fills it with all these teeny tiny jobs that you know psychologically are like the the um, the mosquitoes that drive the moose mad. Um, (laughs) I I think one. (laughs) Yeah, I think one of the things we uh, systemically that we need to address is this lack of runway uh-huh. that we function with. Um, and uh, I say it hoping it will be heard and acted upon.
6: Fair enough. Fair um,
5: enough. I mean, and, and speaking to a point that you made, like as a production manager who works freelance, I often don't get contracted until after the designers. Exactly. Well, like, after I get hired well very late yeah. in the process. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it is, it's a systemic thing. What's that?
10: Yeah. Oh, then they're like putting
4: up fires that are
6: already happening yeah well scenario. I can I can only think of what one production manager who exists without a venue like there's there's however many hundreds of companies in the city many and of them don't have production managers. Yeah, most of them don't I think only the ones with a venue do
5: yeah, but even ones at the venue, Yeah. like if you think about it, like Crows doesn't have a resident production manager, right? At this point, yeah. um, even the theater center has a production manager slash fil- like facilities coordinator, yeah. So it's not real a, yeah. So it's a, it's just a thing. Like those, like yeah. those positions are.
6: We prefer rare our productions unicorns. unmanaged, for the most part.
5: Our production yeah. is unmanageable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Speaking of production managers, let's talk about the budget. Yeah?
5: I love budget. Well done.
9: Yeah. Um, financial self-care. Now, the AFC, as I said, um, what we do is we provide emergency financial assistance for people in the arts who have had something out of the blue happen to them. Sometimes that is illness and injury. A lot of the times it is because we don't have adequate health coverage. Sometimes it is separation. Sometimes it's emergency relocation. Uh, I have had... People call me after a fire. I have had people call me after bed bugs. I've had people call me after a divorce. I've had people call me. No, I've never had fire and bed bugs. But pick your two of those three, and I've heard it happened to one person in one week. Um, life happens all at once. Uh, it's very, very important for us because we don't have the traditional fallbacks of somebody who has a full-time job in a corporate office um, to take care of ourselves financially as well as physically, emotionally, everything else. Um, if you take a one hundred and one budgeting 101 or a personal finance 101 course, they will tell you, all right, first find out what your salary is and then budget accordingly. That is not helpful for any of us because we don't <laughs> what even is a salary. Um, find out what you need to survive. That would include, and I mean survive, like a roof with lights on and heat and enough food not to starve. Um, Those like one really bad month with no income, find out what that is that you can stay alive and safe. Uh, Above that, find out what you need to stay secure. That's where I get into your emergency fund. Probably anybody who's taken any kind of Uh, financial literacy or financial wellness course has heard about this mystical emergency fund where people somehow have three to six months' worth of income just sitting in a bank account. Um, That is for people who are self-employed and what they're now calling precariously employed. Um, Now that this this type of employment is becoming more widespread and is not just within the arts. It has a real name and people are studying it because it's something that apparently needs a lot of attention. Meanwhile, artists and people in the arts have just been quietly dealing with it for ages. Um, that is, That emergency fund is going to be what gets you through that three months where you can't work um, after any of these emergencies, or what gets that emergency uh, medical bill paid, or what buys you the dental work that you need so that you can keep smiling and keep going to meetings and getting the job. Um, that emergency fund, build it however you have to. Uh, but understand that it's it does seem like an unmanageable goal. Uh, it took me an embarrassing number of months to meet it, uh, but I met it because I worked for over a year at it uh, pretty aggressively. Um, Save as much as you can because you don't have the traditional fallbacks. You don't have those traditional safety nets that a lot of other employees have. Um, And then above that, know what you need to be long-term stable. If you've covered survival, if you know you can eat, uh, if you've covered security and you know that you'll have enough money for the car insurance payment, if you make that quarterly, you have a kind of enough of a a cushion that you know, if one bad bill comes down the pipeline, if you accidentally leave your data on when you go to the US and you get a $600 phone bill, it's not going to send you into bankruptcy. Past that, find out what you need to feel stable. If you feel stable with, I think the author Cynthia Heimel said, uh, a teenager feels stable with anything. All they need is a roast beef sandwich, 10 bucks, and a backpack, and they're good to go. (laughs) Uh, If that's all you need, then great. You're well on your way. Uh, If you feel like you might want to think about how you're going to retire, when you're going to retire, managing not being able to work full time, finding a side gig, that's that's the final tier. Once you've covered keeping yourself alive, and then you've covered keeping yourself able to respond to day-to-day emergencies, uh, then Yeah, there's some soul searching that needs to be done, and which is not usually what you hear about budgeting, but it really is so personal. It's what you need, it's whether you have a family uh, to provide for, or a cat uh, who might need to go to the vet, Um, making sure that you feel comfortable with what you have on hand. Um, Also, please go to the dentist, please. I can't tell you, (laughs) I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take one minute here. I can't tell you how many people don't go to the dentist, Of course, I know why. Everybody knows why. It's, you know, first of all, they're a dentist, and second of all, there's fear. But go to the dentist, find out what is going wrong before it goes all the way wrong, and you are in your mid-50s, and you need $30,000 worth of dental work. Because that happens, I'll just say a lot. A lot more than I thought it would. So (laughs) I would say floss, but we're talking about realistic goals. So floss if you can. (laughs) Go... (laughs) Go to the oh, U of T Dental correct. School. If the wait is too long, go to the George Brown Dental School, and they will get you. It takes forever. Put your name on the list. It's called the Wave Clinic. They will get you an exam. It's twenty bucks. Just go. Go every year if you can manage. Go every two years if you can't. Um, in the same vein, find a family doctor. You can sign up online with uh, Health Connect. I think is the name of the service. Healthcare.
11: Okay.
9: Healthcare Connect. Thank you. Um, I perfect. Yeah. Even if you don't love your family, doctor, the first first goal is to get one, and then you can figure out how to find one that you love.
6: Fantastic. Well, like the whole ounce of prevention philosophy, right? Like if you if you put in the twenty dollars a year to get whatever, then yeah, yeah,
9: yeah,
6: yeah it avoids thirty thousand dollars later. Yeah,
9: that's that's the idea, and it's coming up with that twenty bucks and the time to go there that is the hard part. But yeah. Even if they tell you, you know, this tooth looks bad, you're going to need it taken out, and you consciously choose not to do that which plenty of us do and is totally fine it's knowing again when you start looking at what do i need to be stable down the road hey that's the fourth tooth that he said was bad this is going to be a big deal at some point
6: Mm -hmm. yeah and speaking of just 20 bucks if you put away 20 bucks a week it's a thousand dollars a year so 20 bucks a week is not insignificant it's difficult sometimes like i had to quit smoking to do it but um Yeah, 20 bucks a week is actually a big deal if you look at it over a couple couple of years.
9: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes? Actually, a point to both
4: those things. uh, In terms of the dentist, even though I hate the dentist and I'm terrible going to the dentist, uh, I recently learned that dental health actually has a huge effect on, like, all of your health, especially your heart health. So you don't want to be 50 and have never been to the dentist because, you know, that's really bad. So go to the dentist, even though it's scary and hard. Uh, and uh, on the other point, uh, Rebecca and I actually just went through Healthcare Connect, and it was like really easy and really great. And they set us up with a doctor who we love, and it was like actually really awesome. So Healthcare Connect, guys, if you don't have a family doctor, definitely use it.
6: Sweet. Nothing. Huh, never heard of such a thing.
2: Here you go.
6: <laughs> what? No way. It's amazing. Yeah. So. Uh, a little bit uncomfortably. Um, if you uh, have a friend who you think might not be taking care of themselves um, brilliantly well, is there a gentle way to broach the topic of self care that will be constructive and not loud?
7: Um, well, you know what? Yes or no? Um, I think if you sort of encourage them with your own story and how, how it's important for you and some of your successes and failures that you don't set yourself up like as you're preaching to them. You know, they, they, there's some affiliation. You know, you can draw an alliance with them. Um, but be really direct uh, because they're not going to like to hear it, but a year down the road they're going to say, well, you know what, everyone was bullshitting me, but that person was honest with me. Fair so. Yeah. You know, try try a gentle but but firm and honest way. Yeah. yeah, and be with them regardless if they're successful
6: or not. I hear that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. so honesty is the best policy. Just get,
9: yeah. Yeah, it's it's very <laughs> difficult to uh, to let go when we feel that somebody that we love needs that help. But I think that it, no, you can't force someone to come to that realization. Um, it's very very difficult to get somebody out ahead of their own problems. Um, so I, I think
7: it's impossible. I,
9: yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I suspect it as much.
2: <laughs> Start by bringing food. You show up with food. Yeah. I brought lasagna. Are you doing okay?
7: Always
6: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah,
7: you know what? That's fantastic. Yes.
6: Yeah.
7: yeah. yeah.
6: Sweet. Yeah. Um so We talked about uh, budgeting briefly. Um, Can we talk about some other resources that might be available to people who are feeling the heat, as it were, or the cold in the wintertime? Mm -hmm. Um, So we talked about um, our mental health chart here. What was the name of the institution?
7: Um, The Mental Health Commission of Canada um, was the one that drew the the top portion of this chart, then REAP, the region of York. morneau Ch- Chappelle did the, the bottom two columns. Um, so, you know, um, there's, I don't know, I don't know if you guys have EAP. No.
6: No, what's the EAP? No. no.
0: The Employee Assistance
6: Program. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah wouldn't.
0: Any yeah. Well, yeah.
6: Right. Yeah. We, wouldn't, we, we wouldn't. Yeah, we wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we talked about the AFC, so that's um, sort of emergency... Care?
9: Yeah. uh, So the AFC provides, it's really a a last resort. Um, When government benefits don't work out and your savings are exhausted, when everything goes wrong, uh, there's one last safety net. Um, There's one last lifeline that you can go to. Um, And we encourage anybody who thinks that they can't pay the rent should Give us a call. We are welcoming people. Uh, uh, we will always, it will often be me. It will sometimes be our case coordinator, Chandel. Uh, it's me and Chandel. That's it. Uh, we'll take your call. Um, we'll see what whether we can help you or not. And we're always available to help you f- figure out what it is you do need if you're not at the stage where you need the AFC or if our help isn't appropriate. Um, There's also, specifically around self-care, the Artists Health Alliance, and they they operate the Artists Health Centre at Toronto Western Hospital, is a fantastic resource in terms of uh, physical and psychological health care for artists. Anybody who works in the entertainment industry very broadly can go there. They have a nurse practitioner who will do an assessment and will propose for you a treatment plan, whether that is to deal with a major health emergency or to just keep that bad shoulder or that anxiety in check. Um, I also recommend, uh, in a broader way, uh, 211 is a resource that I recommend a lot. It is a 24-hour toll-free information and referral hotline. So you can call, speak to a real human, explain your problem, and they can refer you to government resources or community resources in your area and tell you about how to access them, whether that is a food bank near you or, uh, help with the uh, Hydro One uh, payment plan if you're facing cutoff, uh, that kind of thing. So I always recommend two one one. They're incredibly varied. They're very knowledgeable. They can also refer you to crisis hotlines if you are having a bad night. Uh, they can put you in. They are training crisis intervention and then can put you in touch with an appropriate hotline. Do not be afraid to call them. Uh, everybody has bad nights, and that's what they sit around waiting to do is to help people.
7: For sure. Yeah. Is there such a thing? as a peer support group for you guys? Establishing you, a peer.
3: Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
6: We tried. Yeah. We tried that service. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I mean, we. I. My career started at that bar, um, which is why we try and have this event here, because it's been tremendously helpful for me to be able to sit and talk about work over beers. It's the best way to do it. Um, yeah.
0: No, I was just going to ask if you need a referral for the artist's
9: health center. Not to my knowledge, I believe you can self-refer, but again, call the Artist Health Alliance, and if you can't, they will help you get there. Thank
5: you. Uh, We actually have information for the Artist Health Alliance, and we'll probably post it on our Facebook page. Uh, We were supposed to have a panelist from there tonight, but unfortunately, there was a
6: she couldn't come. Yeah. Uh, for amusingly personal reasons, ironically personal reasons. She practiced self-care appropriately. Indeed, indeed. Um, I just want to, just before we go, I want to say that the AFC (laughs) is a charity Mm -hmm. um, and would totally use your contributions. It is available to stage hands, to stage managers. Um, Like it used to be called the Actors Fund of Canada. It is the AFC for a reason because it's here for all of us. Um, And uh, I know... uh, work for the they do a couple of nights a year where they where they send some revenue to the AFC, um, and it's a good idea to throw into the pot. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Question.
13: Thank you. Hi, um, my friend and I are from are coming here from the production program at Ryerson, and I just know hey, there's um, a bunch of people in our program and like just our age in general with like mental illness who are worried about that infecting their employability. And I was just wondering if there's, like, a line, and if so, how to gauge it when having a mental illness crosses from being something that's your personal business into being something you should have addressed where you're working.
6: Oh. Good. that's a very, very good question.
5: Yeah. That's
6: great. Yes. Yeah, I'm, uh,
7: yeah please. Uh, employers are not allowed to ask you your, your history. Okay, so that's... There's no obligation to come forward, uh, and I think that that's a private issue, and yet peers sort of will have a role to be able to help keep the person on track, to encourage self-care and seek help, because friends are the best, family are the best, maybe not family, friends are the best, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, to,
6: uh, to help. Um. I can speak to some experience. It, it's um, it's been uncomfortable, but uh, essentially, it's if if it affects your day to day, if it affects your employability, and you you can gauge that as well as any anybody can, um, as well as your your, your peer group can. Um, if it if it affects on your day to day, then it is it is to be addressed. Um, you know, I, I'm in no way qualified other than through. Previous experience, but um, it's uh, yeah. If, if if it if it is making your life difficult, then
5: I, I think it also means that you're giving them the tools to help you. Mm-hmm. For sure, like you're giving them the opportunity to give you access to whatever resources you need to manage uh, yourself and your health.
7: Could I do uh, more say? What, uh, go, go ahead. Oh, I was yeah. just going to say
11: to add to that because um, I. I no, I lost it as soon as I started talking. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, there, it's it's going off of what Michael was saying earlier, um, which of course it's not always uh, possible to to ask for help and have people freely offer help, as we all know, just even in you know our lives anyway. Mm-hmm. But in terms of work, uh, if you if you feel comfortable enough to talk about your own mental health. Um, I think you'll be surprised, especially in the arts, how many other people are also dealing with the same issues yeah. and um, who are highly employable and, you know, many of whom are in this room and who have full-time jobs, you know, so that there's, it, it's not something that needs to be, uh, needs to be a problem going in because you can't, you, you know, you can't talk about it and this is, this is a very welcoming community because so many people deal with these things.
5: You will likely not be the first person. Yeah. 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 Like, For sure. you're not going to be a unicorn. Yeah,
11: certainly
6: not alone.
9: Yeah. yeah. So I would say, just if you're coming into the industry, uh, unless it's going to affect your ability to actually do the job and do it safely, uh, there is no need to talk about it before you get the job, unless you are concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's if the employer thinks that you can do the job, that's their job to assess you. Uh, disclose it if it's a safety concern. Otherwise... Like Pip said, you're gonna be surrounded by understanding people like we all said.
2: And we like to overshare. It's true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm in wardrobe and by the time I've sewn with someone for like three days a week, we know our birth
3: control,
2: we know our relationships, (laughs)
3: like,
2: um, I'm around half-naked strangers as part of my job and the level of like, oh, that's too personal? It's, it's a pretty high bar to hit. You have to work
3: <laughs> on
6: that. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. That that feels perfectly beautiful and complete to me. Is there anything else? Yes.
1: Well, it's okay. I'll just talk a Uh Do you it's find that certain... Do you find that certain parts of this industry, like uh, producers and stage managers, are... I guess, sorry, I hope I don't offend or anything like that. Um, Do you find that they're, like, whereas wardrobe might be more understanding and, like, uh, the lighting technician might be more understanding, whereas a stage manager or producer would be a little bit hardcore in the sense? Like, do you find that they might not take it as easy as somebody who is more loosey-goosey, I guess? Again, I'm sorry. (laughs)
12: I, I don't think that's a I don't think that's a job title thing. I think that's a personality thing. So like I because I have dealt with a lot of mental health issues and I have never in sixteen years working in this industry disclosed to somebody and had them not be wonderful and understanding. It's not happened once. So that's, that's and so I feel like across the board, pretty people are pretty cool. You might find you know a sixty five year old dude who doesn't get it who's like, no, 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 whatever, but, like, it's not going to be, it's, it, <laughs> but for the most part, everybody is so warm and open, because we achieve a level of intimacy on day one that people working in an office never do, so, yeah. So,
1: what's interesting about this, is that I actually work in an office, I'm a nine-to-fiver, um, so i a production coordinator for a live events company, so I do, so I'm not, Fantastic. like, in the weeds with you guys but I I understand it a little bit so I'm sorry Uh, but just with that because like I'm the youngest at my company always will be probably for the next 10 years so just for me personally it's one of those like if I disclose is it okay to disclose or is there any penalties if I don't disclose that and something happens in the sense of let's say uh, I know there's a couple people at work who might have anxiety or depression and that it sometimes gets inflamed during certain times or on site or something like that and it can cause problems on site right like that's a huge thing when we work with billion dollar companies and so in that if you don't disclose it and something does happen can anything happen to you as an employee
6: uh no i don't i don't think so no 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 there's okay cool (laughs) and and, and yeah there there is a good question sort of legal requirement for anybody to disclose as far as I understand? No. Yeah, no, no, no.
0: Oh, <clears throat> sorry. Thank you. I'm, I, just one last thing, I, uh, just on, on this issue. The um, One of the things that we've gone through in EMS in the past five years is a normalization of discussing these kind of issues. And so we can now have... It's not 100%. We have a long way to go. But we, we, you know, people are actually openly having discussions about their PTSD, about their depression, about their anxiety, about their sleep disorder, about about their mental health. And I think that the more that we can encourage... Uh, first of all, I, I think that there's, there's probably a lot of fear around disclosing still, even though lots of people have had good experiences in their workplace with, with, uh, with being accepted and, 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 uh, and feeling taken care of, that there's still a lot of fear, I think, around disclosing this. And I, so I feel like if there is a way to encourage people who are maybe feel a bit more courageous to share their stories and to form groups that people can uh, feel like they can go to uh, as a safe space in the workplace or at the school, or uh, the more that that happens, the more these kind of problems aren't a problem as far as fear and anxiety about the workplace. So, I don't know. Do you guys have uh, at Ryerson? Do you have a? Do you have the? Is the university providing any kind of services, mental health services for? I, I imagine they do. Like
5: but it's yeah. to get into. It's about a two-week waiting
0: period. Oh, really? Right, right, right. Unless right, it's, right. Emergent. Yeah. it's emergent. Unless it's emergent. I know at the OAC, I know somebody who works at Ontario Arts Council, uh, what's it called? OCAD, not OAC. And yeah, they yeah. uh, And they have, they have a artist mental health unit or a support worker that works uh, within a medical yeah. clinic. Yeah. God, I, 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 let me find yeah, out who it yeah, is. find out Yeah, yeah, I'll find out more about that. But anyways, the more you can encourage that, I think that... Uh, the better that we're all we all are, right for sure yeah.
11: Yeah. Um, th- this is taking us off on a ta- maybe a tangent. I'm sure Kevin, you have this written down probably as a question, but um, sure. I just think I was thinking on this on this kind of track where we're talking about like support systems within are there can anybody think can you do you guys have types of self care that we might not think of? like asking a friend to, to talk about your mental health, that's a form of self-care, self care, you know, is, is saying, can I tell you about my mental health issues? That's that's a that's a form of self-care. So, like, maybe are there any types of self-care that we haven't yet talked about that we might not talk about otherwise? I don't know. It's a pretty broad question.
7: Can I just, and this is sort of abstract, but, but it can be concrete, is that how... When I was diagnosed with PTSD, before I was diagnosed with PTSD, I was a disaster at work. I was, I assaulted a patient, <laughs> you know? I, I loved my job, I was empathetic, I was compassionate, I loved, and then I, I, I started like, not giving a shit anymore, right? So, w- w- the way that I was able to create self-care, but to be able to open up and help others was that uh, with empathy and compassion. If you show empathy and compassion to one person, there's a lot of high research. It's called uh, um, uh, Altruism Board of Suffering. It's award-winning research from 2008 in, from Pennsylvania, is that you're compassionate to one person, they're going to be compassionate to someone else, and then that reduces the stigma, like tremendously. And people are, like Michael said, people are opening up, people are being supportive, and it spreads like wildfire, and the stigma is like reduced like to 95 like percent of in some circles. When people start talking about, my ther- "I hate my therapist for this reason," and another person says, "Yeah, I love it for that reason." And you know and you start seeing this among people who are perfectionists and who are afraid to open up, sometimes for fear, right? being judged. Uh, so I'm thinking that uh, that's a little self-care tool. That it, just be open and supportive to your colleagues, and that's that's self-care because it comes back to you.
5: Yeah, and I mean like I'm not, I'm not saying that we're counselors, and I'm not saying that we are the best resource for this. But I mean one of the reasons we founded this organization, the Bellows, is so that we all had this space. You know what I mean? Like if you guys have any questions, if you if you're looking for more resources based on like the panel we did tonight, like all of us have done a little bit of research into it. We have. Things for that, like you can always reach out to us. Like that's why we're here.
8: Mm-hmm.
5: I have hands. I have hands in the audience.
8: Thanks. So um, I just want to say when I uh, produced that show after I got off my stroke, after I had my stroke um, and recovered, um, <clears throat> because I have, I personally live with mental illness and a few other issues. When I booked rehearsal space and stuff like that. Um, I booked one of the days around my AA meeting so um, because I have fortunately a a lot of uh, sobriety time so um, but if I was doing another show and I I would just be personally I would just be open and honest and say look I have I could you know not tell everything and say I have a doctor's appointment or I have a meeting that I've commitment to to a product in a production like one night a week for two hours it probably in this industry probably wouldn't be too big of a deal at all Uh, but frankly, I don't know if you guys know this, but in, uh, this industry, there's a lot of, uh, addiction issues, (laughs) so, um, it's not unheard of to have somebody in a, especially a big production, there's probably someone in recovery, so, um, yeah, and I just want to share that, and for the type of work I've been doing over the last couple of years, uh, I'm very open and honest with everybody. And I I probably always will be for people who I hire to work with me, Um, just about where I am in my life with recovery and with uh, living with mental illness and such and such. And thank you. (laughs)
3: Uh,
13: Just a little anecdote to build on what Michael was saying earlier about sort of being honest and talking about stuff. It's like I had a production meeting this past weekend um, and I had been so busy with other things that I'd fallen behind on, on my end of, um, of a production. And knowing that just kept kind of pulling me into a spiral of anxiety of, well, I'm behind, but now I can't catch up, and, and I tend to... It was the same thing in university. I had a paper due, keep putting it aside, putting it aside until you're trying to do it on the night of... And it's just sort of this this anxious circle because, um, like, just certain th- certain things aren't firing in my brain the right way, and I just I just can't can't get to it. And knowing that I was behind and that I hadn't done something, um, and then knowing I had to walk into a meeting and sort of feeling like I had to explain myself was giving me even more anxiety and I'm coming up with like okay well what do I say how do I how do I bring this up so that it doesn't seem like that I'm not the worst person and everybody hates me because I haven't done this one uh, I haven't done this stuff and then kind of sitting there and and kind of realizing you know I'm just going to go in and be like I'm really sorry I fell behind and it made me anxious and I just could not get past that. And I walked into the meeting and I sort of thanked them for, for their patience with me and sort of just gave that one or two sentences and immediately got back, oh, I know what you mean. I know exactly. I know how you're, uh, I know who, like immediately it kind of these people I hadn't worked in close quarters with yet. And so immediately we, we've had now this, this understanding of I've had the same problem. I understand, I know how to work with you because that's how I work. And and that it then made it so that I could, I found it easier to get out of my hole because I knew that there were other people who were kind of probably in a similar hole on the other side. We just had to kind of burrow through to get to each other. <laughs> um, so so sometimes it's like if you, it, it's, I, I, I have to remind myself that I'm not alone in the things that I feel and that there's other people who feel the same things, whether it's just a mental thing or whether it's a physical thing that they're actually experiencing. Um, and that, that just, I, I, I've been trying a lot more um, more often in the last year or so to, to say, I have this issue. I am experiencing this. And being honest with it because then people can be like, okay, well, I am aware and um, I, I either know how to help or just being conscious of it. Whereas kind of always, we, I feel like I do anyway. Um, I see the world from my perspective and I forget to see the world from other people's perspective unless they tell me. And, and I get so caught up in me that I forget everyone else. Until they tell me, wait, I'm like this. And then it's like, oh, okay, I have to remember that. So.
6: That's lovely. You mm-hmm. had your hand up?
5: No, I didn't. Oh? <laughs> I just got
6: keen. I thought there were more hands right. up. <laughs> uh, well, to bring this to some sort of conclusion, because I think we're just about there, this has all been really lovely. Um, one of the things, just to continue on the same vein, we'll yeah. wrap this up, but uh, one of the things I really like about sort of working in this industry is that even when, you know, I talked about earlier, there's that certain sort of stagehand who's a little bit crude and takes all the calls at all the time, doesn't really sleep very much, and doesn't necessarily shower all the time. If you get that dude one on one, and you tell him something, generally he will listen. If there's just something about this industry that that sort of person is not dismissive. They're, they're, they're lovely. and if. It might be a question of you know maybe you don't get them when they're talking to their bro, but if you get them one on one, they will understand. Yeah. There's just something about the people we work with, and I'm continually surprised and, and uh, enriched by that that re- revelation. I think we're good. <laughs> I
11: think that's a great way to wrap up. Uh, yeah. For everyone. Okay. It's great. A yeah, it just, uh, I was just going to I was just going to say um, uh, when you get home uh, in terms of like maybe everybody, because I know we all have our like one top tip of this is how I take care of myself.
5: Rebecca.
11: Rebecca. Yeah. No, I'm doing the wrap up. You're not. <laughs>
3: yeah. Why is it like
11: that? I'm new. I'm new. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, though no, If people could could send them to us and and post them, we can we either if you want to do it anonymously, we can post it on the Facebook page anonymously, or
5: if you don't want to do it super anonymously, we're here for a little while, and I have my iPad, and we're happy yeah. to record it.
4: We'd love to. We'd love to make like a, a video uh, to bad. post. Yeah, that's yeah.
5: yeah. Well, yeah. it's both ways. It's both
11: excellent. ways
4: are great. So
11: we I've, talked about this before. Mm-hmm. So I found I've, out about it yeah. mid panel.
4: Absolutely, feel free um, <laughs> to uh, send send your tips to the Bellows, uh, and we'll post we'll post on the uh, the Bellows page. Uh, we also plan to post a lot of the resources we talked about tonight. Um, so we'll post all that on the Bellows. Uh, I had but never
5: heard about two one one. Yeah, that's that was I knew huge. 2-1-1, huge.
4: But two one one, that's awesome. Um, also, for all of you here, uh, if you'd like to come up afterwards and maybe be a part of a little uh, a little short video, uh, we'd love to include some of these really amazing tips from you guys uh, on the Bellows Facebook page. So come on up and chat with us afterwards.
5: Yeah, uh, thank you all again so much for coming. Uh, it's super great to have so many people here. Uh, and we're really excited about all the discussions and the conversations we had tonight. And we hope to see you again uh, come March to talk more about taxes. <laughs> yeah,
4: amazing. So
5: thanks a lot. Hang out, and we'll see you all- And thank you to our panelists. <laughs> Just, thank you so much. That was amazing.
0: And that was another presentation of The Bellows, Self-Care, recorded on February 20th, 2017, at Theatre Pass Mariah in Toronto. The next episode of The Title Block will be a conversation with sound designer and composer Richard Farron. The music for this podcast is by Vern Good with voiceover by Gabriel Cropley. Please go to iTunes and give us a review to help get the word out about this podcast and share the history of theatre design in Canada. And you can follow us on Twitter at TheTitleBlockCA and on Facebook.com slash TheTitleBlockPodcast. You can send comments and requests by email to thetitleblock at gmail.com. And don't forget that if you like the show, please support us on Patreon.com. I'm Michael Cruz, and I'll see you next time on The Title Block.
5: Oh, drink, tip your bartender